welcome to the Mariners Cast, presented to you by Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. It is October 20th, Friday. On today's Mariners Cast, I am going to cover the state of the third base position for the Seattle Mariners. I will give my grade on A. Eugenio Suarez for 2023. We will dig into the organizational depth that the Mariners have at the position. We will discuss the free agents that are available at the third base position uh, this offseason and potentially next offseason. And then I've got a couple of uh, trade scenarios that I would like to uh, run over with you listeners. So, again, it's Friday. October 20th, I believe this is Mariners Cast 102. Let's get started. Hey, Eugenio Suarez. Uh, beloved by Mariners fans in large part for his um, personality, uh, certainly a leader in the clubhouse, uh, keeper of vibes, if you want to call it that. Uh, Suarez was acquired from the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, He was essentially a throw-in along with Jesse Winker a couple of years ago. Winker was the headliner. Suarez is now 32 years old. Uh, He's 5'11", 213, right-handed, obviously, uh, throwing right-handed batter. Uh, Has very much been a low-average, big-power output sort of hitter in his career. And that is essentially what he did uh, this season for the Mariners. So Suarez played all 162 games, 694 plate appearances. He hit 232, 323, 391 with a 714 OPS. Not great at face value. 22 home runs, 68 runs. He did drive in 96 and two stolen bases. So those numbers aren't don't jump off the page, right? He played every game. He hit 22 home runs. He hit 232 with a 714 OPS. However, he also played a an elite level third base defensively. Uh, he was 11 um, outs above average at third base. That put him in the 97th percentile. Uh, and we saw it game in and game out, um, the both the spectacular and the routine plays that Eugenio Suarez made. And because of this level of defense and um, a, I guess, pretty much league average level of offensive production for all positions, he had 3.2 Fangraphs war. 3.2 Fangraphs war for Suarez ranked him 10th amongst qualified amongst all third basemen and qualified third basemen. So he was the number 10 third baseman based on Fangraphs war with 3.2. In 2022, he ranked 8th amongst third basemen with 4.1 Fangraphs war. This season he had 102 WRC plus which ranked him 16th. In 2022 he had 100 he had 130 WRC plus which ranked him 8th. Next season, he signed for $11.3 million, which is not a ton to pay a regular third baseman. The club does hold an option for $15 million in 2025. 
His walk rate, 10.1%, 71st percentile in baseball. He did strike out at a 31% rate. That is the, I guess, his Achilles heel. That's what a lot of people criticize when they talk about Suarez. Uh, His swinging strike rate was the highest of his career. But he did hit the ball hard. He had the highest average exit velocity for him for his career since 2019 at 90.3 miles an hour. He's in the 87th percentile for barrel rate, 61st percentile for hard hit rate. Um, He had 34% ground balls, 43% fly balls, and he pulled the ball 47% of the time. He hit lefties a bit better than righties. Lefties 252, the 742 OPS. Righties 227 with the 704 OPS. And he was a slightly better hitter in the second half, as I had talked about previously, than he was in the first the, fi- the final couple of stats I'd like to mention with Suarez is that he hit the fastball much, much better than any other pitch. 270 average, 419 slug. On breaking balls, 181 average, off-speed 188. And then his contact of pitches in the zone was below league average. Uh, he chased about 5% less than league average, but his chase contact was 13.5% below league average. So he knew or he knows that if he chases pitches outside of the strike zone, he's terrible. So what do all these numbers mean with Suarez? What's the final conclusion? Elite defender, uh, hit for less power last season than he had in previous seasons, but still 22 home runs, drove in almost 100. Um, That's more of a product of where you hit in the lineup than it is production, but he still drove in almost 100. Uh, Tenth most fan grass for third base. So I test says, if you watch the Mariners this season, which I assume if you're listening, you did. I test says three true outcome type hitter, way, way, way too many strikeouts, uh, hits for some power, definitely a threat to hit for power and walks. So really three true, like I said, three true outcome hitter, 214 strikeouts last season, but provided an elite third base. Drove in some clutch runs, did hit 20-plus home runs, and based on Fangraph's war, was the 10th best third baseman in baseball last year, top third. So it's a a bit of a conundrum. I gave Eugenio Suarez a B grade. I think he is a better hitter than what he displayed. Um, He might be on the the downslope of his career at 32 years old. And this might just be who he is. He may never be better than offensively than the season that he provided last season. But when you combine that with his elite defense at third base, I think he's serviceable. I think you always want to upgrade on a player like this because um, it's not a, it's not beautiful production, right? This isn't Jose Ramirez, but you've got to remember that there were 20, third baseman that that were regulars that were below him in Fangraph's war. So it is very much a be careful what you wish for sort of situation, in my opinion, at third base for the Mariners. I was one who questioned whether we needed to look for a different third baseman going into the offseason. I am of the conclusion now that I would pursue a couple of options, but Eugenio Suarez as your starting third baseman in 2024 is a pretty decent place to be. If you go below Suarez with Fangraph's war, the types of names you're looking at. Now, 
the first one is a bit misleading because he's so so horrible defensively. But Rafael Devers is below Suarez, Max Muncy, Nolan Arenado, Josh Young, Jake Berger, JD Davis, Alec Bohm, Ryan McMahon. Like there were Mariners fans that were clamoring for Ryan McMahon last offseason and early in this season for Colorado. Ryan McMahon was worth 1.2 Fangraphs war. Eugenio Suarez was worth 3.3. So I think Suarez is underrated by Mariners fans. I think he's underrated across baseball. That doesn't mean he's great. And there are a couple names I will discuss that I would rather have than him. But if, again, if the Mariners go into 2024 with Suarez and are able to upgrade the offense in the outfield net DH, and Suarez is hitting sixth or seventh for you, preferably seventh, instead of third or second, then you're in a good spot. He's not a three-hitter. He's not a two-hitter. He should never be hitting in those positions. I think that was a testament to the lack of depth in the Mariners' offense last season and some of the injuries. But in my mind, he's a six-seven hitter at this point in his career. But he gets a B from me. And I appreciate his output last season. I hope that the Mariners get something similar next season. Because, as I said, he was definitely uh, uh, worthy of a place on the team. And, you know, with this $15 million option in 25, you have to look at team finances and figure out where the minor leaguers are. But I think that realistically keeping Eugenio Suarez in 20, for next year and then the year after in 25 is probably the right move, at least as things stand right now. So he gets a B. Organizational depth with the Mariners. Uh, Josh Rojas played quite a bit of third base for the Arizona Diamondbacks before the Mariners traded for him. Um, We've talked a lot about Rojas already on the second base episode. Uh, I don't think the Mariners will play him a whole heck of a lot at at third unless uh, the Mariners acquire a different second baseman or Ryan Bliss plays very well and becomes the regular at second, then Rojas would be freed up to play more of a utility role, potentially play a little bit of third base against a tough right-handed pitching, giving Suarez a day off. Um, But I did put Rojas down as organizational depth at third. Next player, Tyler Locklear, right-handed hitting corner infielder, probably ends up at first base ultimately, but I will put him down here because he has played third in the minor leagues. 22 years old. Locklear was drafted 58th overall second round in 2022. A little bit of power over hit from Locklear, but he's hit very well this last season. I gave his hit tool a 50 and his power a 55. Rookie ball, high A, double A. He hit 288, 405, 502 slug, and a 907 OPS. In 309 at-bats, he had 25 doubles and 13 home runs. Uh, Locklear is not a star. I think he fits in the mold in terms of level of production. He does it a different way, but level of production, I think he would be similar uh, to Suarez in France, whom you have in the corners already. Uh, I think he's that, you know, 260, 20 home run, 250, 20 home run type of player Um, that has value. That's not going to put you over the top but that's what I see from him. Next, 
Colt Emerson. Now, Colt Emerson was the Mariners' first-round pick, drafted 22nd overall by the Mariners in 2023. Colt Emerson is a dude. Uh, I hark back to my conversation with Jason Churchill, a prospect insider, and he just flat out told me, he said, look, bro, Colt Emerson is the best prospect in the Mariners organization, and it's not close. He's that good. Mariners got lucky getting him at number 22 in 2023. He went to high school in Ohio. He was committed to Auburn. Uh, he was very young for the draft. He just turned 18 in July. And I think he's even better than the Mariners anticipated. I have Colt Emerson's hit tool as a 60, his power as a 60. He's left-handed. Uh, he's probably going to move off of shortstop, I think. Uh, he may get too big for short, and I anticipate him ending up at third. But you're talking about a 280, 290, you know, 25, maybe even 30 home run type of hitter. Like he's got that kind of athleticism and explosion in his bat. Go look at the tape. Go watch some video called Emerson. You will come back enamored. Um, he was so good in his short stint. Uh, in the minor leagues uh, after being drafted that you will probably see him on some top 100 lists and some of the more aggressive uh, lists, you might even see him top 50. He's got that kind of bat. So Emerson's ETA is 2026. At that point in time, he would be 21 years old. I think if Suarez can give you two years of, of decent productions, Emerson is the backfill or the heir apparent to third base uh, for Eugenio Suarez. Commanders drafted Ty Pete at the end of the first round with the pick, I believe, that they got for Julio Rodriguez winning the uh, Rookie of the Year. Ty Pete, left-handed, hitter, 18 years old, out of Georgia, high school. Uh, I have his hit tool at 55 and power at 60 currently. He's a little bit slower of a burn than Emerson, in my opinion, a little more raw. His ETA is 2027. He's got incredible athleticism. He was throwing mid-90s as a pitcher in Georgia. Uh, great athlete, fun player. Uh, both were a part of that uh, Modesto run at the end of the season. Uh, super fun. Love Ty Pete. Looking forward to watching him. I think, and I'm not sure where he fits on the diamond as of yet, but you will find a place for him. He is a very, very good athlete and a fun player to watch. And then finally, Ben Williamson. Mariners drafted Ben William, Ben Williamson in the second round, uh, kind of a below slot type of player, 2023 draft, 57th overall out of William and Mary, right-handed bat, not a ton of power to speak of, but he just kind of hits. He's one of those dudes. I have his hit tools of 50, power is a 45, his ETA is 2025. He is 23 years old. I think he and Locklear, I know people are high on Locklear. I think the two of those guys end up more as organizational depth and maybe bench players that DH or play third base or first base against tough left-handed pitchers. Um, but I don't see them as a huge part of the Mariners future. Uh, Locklear has a greater chance of being a full-time starter than Williamson does. Pre-agent wise, you've got players, older players like Justin Turner, who had a phenomenal year for the Boston Red Sox this season uh, he has a player option. I believe he's 38 years old with the Red Sox. I expect I expect him to stay there, to be honest with you, but I think that's up in the air. Justin Turner, 
while he had a very good offensive season, I do not know if having like first of all Justin Turner played second base mostly and first base this last season so I don't even consider him a third baseman necessarily and I don't know how much of an upgrade he would be over Suarez Evan Longoria played very well for the Diamondbacks in this playoff run uh but he's also in his late 30s not an option in my mind Matt Carpenter left-handed slugger for the Padres has a player option also older not an upgrade all these guys, you know, you kind of almost throw outside of Turner. You throw Longoria, Carpenter, uh, Josh Donaldson, Mike Moustakis, Eduardo Escobar, even like a Joey Wendell, Matt Duffy, Gio Urshela, Charlie Culberson. They're all kind of in that, like, I know he played first base, but they're like that Mike Ford bucket, right? Kind of a player who's not going to be a full-time player for you, who might provide a little bit of production off the bench. You might see some flashes of of yesteryear with these players, but they're not going to improve the position or the team. Uh, Urshela is the one on that list that that I kind of like, but he doesn't hit for much power. He would fit the Mariners' desire to find a little bit more bat to ball, and he plays a very good defense in the infield, but not a uh, needle mover for me. Matt Beatty, pinch hitter. Brian Anderson, decent player, but not moving the needle. Max Muncy, I think, is resigning in in with the Dodgers. Big time power, 35 home runs this season, low average. Uh, less of a defensive player than Suarez, but a lot more power. Edwin Rios, Isaiah Connor Falefa, Drew Ellis. You just the names aren't great, right? Outside of Turner and Muncy, there's no names that really produced on that list last year. And Turner is is debatably a third baseman i think muncie's resigning but the two names on this free agent list that are worth consideration but ultimately i would not want the mariners to sign are matt chapman and jamer candelario chapman was traded from the oakland athletics to the toronto blue jays uh sport track has his value or potential contract value as four years, 72 and a half million, 18.1 million per year. I'm guessing he gets a lot more than that on the market. He hit 240, 330 with a 424 slug and a 754 OPS last season. Almost 600 plate appearances, 17 home runs, four steals, about an 11% walk rate, 28% K rate, 117 WRC plus and 3.3 or 3.3 fan graphs war. Very similar in production, excuse me, 3.5 Fangraphs war. Very similar in production to a Eugenio Suarez. A uh, little less power, a little slightly higher average, slightly higher on base percentage, um, but a very similar player. And I think that Chapman is, Chapman can play, right? Chapman has won tons of gold gloves. I think he was a platinum gold, gold or platinum glove winner at some point in time. Um, but he is essentially the same player as the player you already have. And because Suarez is a leader in the clubhouse, because Suarez has history here, and because his contract is probably most importantly, because his contract is probably about half of what Chapman is going to get per year, and you would have to commit to Chapman for a number of years, I think Suarez is the better call. 
on this one. Next up is Jimer Candelario. Uh, Candelario is going to be in his age 30 season. Next season, uh, he was traded from the Washington Nationals to the Chicago Cubs as the Cubs were in wildcard contention at the end of the year. Uh, Candelario, according to SportTrack, is slated or his market value is about $12 million a year. And he'll probably uh, get a three to four year contract. Uh, he was a player, probably the best bat that was traded at the trade deadline this past season. Uh, but he's not spectacular. And he, again, similar to Chapman, I do not see Candelario necessarily as an upgrade over a Eugenio Suarez. Um, part of the reason, well, let's go through Candelario's uh, stats last year. He did have an 807 OPS. He hit 230 or 251, 576 plate appearances. He had 22 homers, eight steals, 9% walk rate, 22% K rate, which falls more in line with what the Mariners are trying to accomplish as far as uh, bat to ball and contact numbers go uh, this next season, given their propensity to strike out last season. He had a 117 WRC plus. He was worth 3.3 Fangraphs war last season. Uh, but my knock on Candelario and the reason why um, giving him a longer term contract instead of keeping Suarez doesn't make sense to me is that he's been wildly inconsistent in his career. So in 18 at age 24 for the Tigers, he hit 19 home runs, 224 with 19 home runs. He was a two-war player at age 24. Then he hit eight home runs and hit 203 and 19, and he was a 0.2 war player. In 20, strike shortens, or not strike shortened, COVID shortened season, not going to worry about that too much. He was still worth two war. He hit 297. In 21 with the Tigers, 16 home runs. He hit 271 with a 443 slug, and he was a 3.8 war player in 2021. In 22, he hit 217 with a 272 on base and was worth negative 0.1 war. And then this season, he came back with a very good season, hitting 251, 22 homers were 3.3 war. So can the Mariners afford to give Candelario what would probably amount to a three or four year contract at what I'm going to assume is about $15 million a year or close to it because there will be competition for him versus the $11 million owed to a Eugenio Suarez, 11-3 owed to Suarez next year in 15 club option in 2025. I would rather have Suarez for the next two years at just over 26 or just over 28 million and take the 230 average and the low 20s home runs and the elite, elite defense over guessing as to whether Candelario is going to be able to maintain the level of production that he had. And even if he did maintain the 22 homers, and the 251 average, he's still a very, from a Fangraphs war standpoint, a very similar player to a Eugenio Suarez. So give me Suarez, less money, less years over Candelario. 
So Chapman, Candelario are not big enough upgrades for me to replace a Eugenio Suarez um, on the Mariners. Each player is a little bit different. Each player provides something a little bit different, but the outlay in years and dollars for either of the two free agents coupled with the subtraction of a Eugenio Suarez from that clubhouse and the elite defense is not enough for me. So as of right now, I'm keeping Suarez. I'm letting the free agents sign elsewhere. Um, I'm keeping Suarez until one of the Mariners uh, prospects is ready to come up and play third base. Hopefully it's Colt Emerson in 2026. Trades. So, well, I should go 2025, the free agent class. There is one jewel at third base. That is Alex Bregman, the third baseman for the vaunted Houston Astros. Bregman is a very, very good player. Um, I don't think he's signing with the Mariners, but you, we've seen crazier things happen. He's at the top of that list. Yoan Moncada, the former number one prospect in baseball, Chicago Cubs switching third baseman off injured is a free agent. I don't think he's an upgrade over anything the Mariners would have. Brandon Drury and J.D. Davis, both uh, veterans in their 30s, are going to be free agents, neither of which is necessarily an upgrade over what the Mariners have either. So really, it would be Bregman or Bust if you're really looking to make a big difference at third base in the free agent market in 2025. As of right now, as I said, I'm holding on to a Eugenio Suarez. I did come up with a couple of trade scenarios uh, the first one is, so there've been a lot of trade talks about Jose Ramirez. He signed a seven year, $141 million contract with the Cleveland guardians in 2022. This contract runs through 28. Uh, Ramirez is arguably the best third baseman in baseball. Uh, last season, he was worth 5.1 fan graphs war. He hit 282. 356 with a 475 slug, 10% walk rate, 10% K rate, 24 homers, 28 steals, 87 runs, 80 RBIs. In a better offense, Ramirez is 25 homers, 100 runs, 100 RBIs, 25 steals, close to a 300 hitter. Um, He is pretty much league average at third base, He's a superstar. There's no way around it. He's an absolute superstar. Um, Ramirez hitting third behind Julio would be enormous. Uh, It would be a coup. Um, The package that I put together kind of off the top of my head for Jose Ramirez was Harry Ford, Bryce Miller, Gabriel Gonzalez, Ty France, and Michael Arroyo. I know that sounds like a lot. That's five players, three prospects, a middle-of-the-rotation starter in Bryce Miller, and Ty France, who, while would be a bit of a reclamation project for the Guardians, the Guardians love high-contact hitters like France. Uh, It's a big price. It would be a big, big price to pay. Gabriel Gonzalez is a potential top 50 this season, maybe top 25 before he comes up, uh, corner outfielder with tremendous power and tremendous hit tool. Harry Ford is one of the top catching prospects in baseball. Um, I don't know if he will stay a catcher. They also have Bo Naylor, left-handed hitting uh, 
very good catching prospect, but between Naylor and Ford, um, they would have the catchy, catcher position really covered. Uh, Miller, we all know what Bryce Miller is. Um, Guardians love a great fastball. And then Michael Arroyo is a, uh, I believe, a second base prospect with a very good hit tool. That's a slow burn. So they'd be getting a haul, and it's what you would, would be required to, to acquire Jose Ramirez from the Guardians. You would have Jose Ramirez for until 2028, for the next five years. Well, I guess four years at $20 million a year, which is an absolute bargain for the best third baseman in baseball. It's a deal I would do in a heartbeat as much as I love Bryce Miller and Gabriel Gonzalez. This is a deal that I would do um, in a heartbeat, super quick. I think it would satisfy the fans. It would satisfy the need for more offense or a different type of offense. I think, I think is uh, better put, but that's my perspective deal for Ramirez to be Ford, Arroyo, Gabriel Gonzalez, Ty France, and Bryce Miller. J.D. Davis played a little bit of third, a little bit of first for the Giants. Um, right-handed hitter, previously with the New York Mets, 31 years old. He hit 248, 325, 413 with a 738 OPS, 18 homers, 9.5% walk rate. 28% K rate. He was worth 2.2 Fangraphs war and had a 104 WRC plus would not take much to acquire JD Davis. In my opinion, probably a B level prospect from the giants. Uh, I don't, if JD Davis was acquired, he would be a bit repetitive with Ty France and a Eugenio Suarez. Um, it wouldn't bother me. I don't think that he is uh, of the, type of player that the Mariners are looking to acquire. I expect them to look for more athleticism and a bit more contact rate. Uh, but Davis is not a bad player. If the Mariners decide to be done with Ty France, I could see Davis being on this team. Um, but I put him on the list just as a player that wouldn't cost a whole lot, but would still be a contributor. The final two trade candidates are younger players, players that I really love um, as prospects. I think they would probably require pitching in return um the teams trading these prospects would probably ask for bryce miller or brian Wu. i think if you dealt either of those two for either of these two prospects you would have to ask for a bit more in return the first one is jordan westberg right-handed hitting uh bat for the baltimore orioles westberg is kind of caught up in the in the depth of the Orioles organization, obviously Gunnar Henderson is playing short and third. They've got, you know, Jackson holidays on the way. We've got a tremendous number of prospects on that Orioles team. Um, you have both young players and prospects and it's hard for him. It was hard for him to break in. He did have 228 plate appearances this last season. He hit 260, the 715 OPS. In AAA, he hit 295 with a 939 OPS, and he had 18 homers and 301 plate appearances. Westberg can play second, short, third, corner outfield. Um, puts the bat on the ball. Very, very good player. Uh, and again, the Orioles have a ton of guys coming up that need spots. Jackson Holiday is either a shortstop or a second baseman. He's the best prospect in baseball. Kobe Mayo is a corner infielder, probably ends up at first, but can also play third. 
he's a top 100 prospect in baseball. Joey Ortiz, very good shortstop prospect. Can't find a place for him. Connor Norby, second base prospect, had two really great years in minor league baseball last two years. He's 23 years old. So Westberg is the type of player who the Orioles could afford to trade. Um, I think he is a part of their future, but I think they would be willing to deal him. Uh, he is... I think his bat is right on the line of being a true impact bat versus a major league regular, but Westberg at third cost controlled for the next six years would be an upgrade over Suarez. I think he's athletic. Um, there are no real holes in his game. I would love to see the Mariners trade for Westberg. I think if you traded for Westberg and the Orioles clearly need young pitching, and you gave up Bryce Miller or Brian Wu for Westberg, you would probably have to ask for a younger, uh, lower-level prospect as well in return, or um, maybe a bullpen arm, something like that. But Westberg, I would love to see in a Mariners uniform, and you plug and play at third base, and you give him regular at-bats and see what you have. The other one is Michael Bush. Left-handed hitting, 25-year-old prospect for the Dodgers. Uh, Bush is stuck on the Dodgers behind a number of players, uh, Miguel Vargas for one, Max Muncy for two. Uh, Gavin Lux is now playing short, but Bush is capable. He came up as a second baseman, but he played a bit of third base for the Dodgers. I love him as a prospect. I loved him coming into last year. I think that he has tremendous offensive upside, and the Dodgers just don't have any place for him. Uh, again, as of right now, projected opening day lot lineup for the Dodgers has Lux at second, Miguel Rojas at short, and uh, excuse me, yeah, Miguel Rojas at third, short, and Miguel Vargas at third, with uh, Michael Bush as their DH. Uh, but Bush is a hitter. Triple A, three twenty three, four thirty one, six eighteen, one point zero four nine OPS, three hundred ninety at bats. 27 home runs. And this is not an anomaly. He did something very similar last season as well. Uh, I don't think Bush would take Wu or Miller to acquire. I'm not quite sure what the Dodgers would be looking for, but I don't think it would be that much. So two play, two young players that I would love to see on the Mariners. I think they would fit. Uh, Bush strikes out quite a bit, so doesn't necessarily fit that bat to ball contact sort of thing, but an impact bat potentially. Um, one that you could also play at second. Westbrook, again, you can also play at second. So those would be, I would consider those two um, upgrades at third. Although I think if you were to acquire one of those two prospects, and plop them down at third base and figure out something to do with Suarez. I think you take the $11 million, do Suarez, and you invest it in a huge bat elsewhere, right? That's the kind of move you make if you are able to sign a Shohei Otani, if you're able to sign a Cody Bellinger, which I don't think they will. But then maybe to free up salary, you deal Suarez for a young player with upside like that. Uh, and just... For reference, Westberg and Bush are not Locklear top type prospects, right? These are much, much better prospects than Tyler Locklear. These are top 50 prospects in baseball. 
These are guys that you are pretty confident with regular at-bats are going to be above average major league bats. And with Emerson as, as an 18-year-old, you know, there's a lot of development that has to happen, and it's still a, a gamble to count on him. So Westberg and Bush are have been ready for the major leagues. Uh, I would love to see them go after one of those two. So overall, what are we looking at a third? We've got a top 10 Fangraphs war third baseman in A. Eugenio Suarez, both in 22 and in 23. His offensive production always leaves something to be desired, right? But he plays an elite defense. He's not paid a ton of money. He's a huge clubhouse, positive clubhouse presence for the Mariners. Um, And the upgrade or the supposed upgrade from he to Matt Chapman or Jimer Candelario, both of whom are the top two third base free agents on the market, is not enough to give up the leadership in the clubhouse or to, I guess, upset the apple cart, right? Neither of those two, you could argue that neither of those two are even an upgrade over Eugenio Suarez. And you're committing more years and more money to either of those two to bring them into the organization. So I'm a no on both of those as free agents. I think I think you make an offer on Jose Ramirez, right? You have to. Because that kind of splash, that kind of of uh, big, flashy move would satisfy everyone involved, players, fans, everybody. And he's a top, probably a top 10 player in baseball. Make the offer. Offer the farm for him. I'd love to see that. I don't think it's happening. I'd love to see it. The two prospects I spoke of, Westberger Bush, uh, I think coupled with the expenditure of that excess money on a different position, I would love to see that happen. It's not a, an indictment of Suarez on Suarez as much as it is. I really like Westberg and Bush as prospects. I think don't think the Mariners will do that, but it was an idea that I had. And if a Eugenio Suarez is kept for 2024, which is what I expect, and he plays at the level that he did last season or even higher, and he's a top 10 Fangraphs war third baseman in 2024, I think you pick up that $15 million option in 25, knowing you're going to get similar production, and Suarez then becomes the bridge to hopefully Colt Emerson in 2026. Could be Ty Pete. I think likely it'd be Colt Emerson. And then you have your young stud third baseman for the next six years uh, without having to invest any more resources in that position. That's what I believe their plan is. That's what the plan would be if it was me, barring any sort of huge fall off from a Eugenio Suarez. So it's important to remember, I have this last note uh, to include in the Mariners cast. The Mariners were 12th in runs in baseball last season at 4.68 runs per game. The, the banter on Twitter, the, the conversations that I have even with my Mariners fan friends, is that like it sounds like the Mariners' offense was dead last in baseball last season. And management has no idea what they're doing, and the Mariners are a 100-loss team. That's what it sounds like from people, right? It's very hard to find a Mariners fan or somebody on Twitter right now who's positive about what the front office is doing. 
outside of myself. But again, the Mariners were 12th in runs at 4.68 in all of baseball and had a top three pitching staff. They should have been in the playoffs based on those things. That is not the fault of the front office. I do think that the offense can be upgraded. I haven't gotten really to the position where I think it would make the most sense yet. I, I talked about, you know, catching is pretty much set. First base, when going over the first base possibilities, I think the best, the smart thing to do, in my opinion, is really push on Ty France to go to driveline, get better, figure out his approach, and give Dominic Canzone a lot of first base at-bats against right-handed pitching. At second base, the the pie in the not even pie in the sky. The the possibility that I liked the most was Jorge Polanco from the Twins. If you can't get Polanco, there weren't a lot of other great options out there. I think Josh Rojas and Ryan Bliss, some sort of combination of those two, uh, would make sense. Although it's not gorgeous, it's not a, a uh, uh, you know the it's not the flashiest option. And then at third, I think we really are looking at another season of Eugenio Suarez. And I think that he is underrated because of the number of strikeouts, because of the lack of tremendous power production. It's very easy to overlook the fact that he was a top third fan graphs war third baseman in 2023. So again, I know this is boring. Sounds like staying the course. But when you look at the alternatives, it's really hard to find something that makes a ton of sense unless you're able to acquire a Jose Ramirez, unless you are able to acquire one of those really fun uh, near-can't-miss bats at third base, like a Jordan Westberg, like a Michael Bush. So I expect jumps from Dominic Canzone and Ty France at first. Uh, at third, I would expect Eugenio Suarez to kind of do something similar to what he did last year, maybe a little bit more uh, power production based on his history. Uh, but I think this is the way you, you have to inc get incrementally better. It'll get more, the conversation will get much more interesting when we get to the outfield, because I think there are a lot more options to get better quickly. That's where I see the Mariners spending their money. Uh, the outfield uh, positional overviews will come over the next couple of weeks but this was the third base positional overview. Uh, thank you for listening to today's Mariners cast. Once again, we are presented by Sports Ethos. This was Mariners cast number 102. Uh, I will be in Chicago visiting my daughter. Uh, this next week, I will do my best to put together another Mariners cast. Maybe I'll have her on. She is 11 years old. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh I'll be back with shortstop next. And then after shortstop, we will move to left field. You can find me on Twitter at Tino Junior 20. That is T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0. And the podcast at Ethos Mariners, E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy playoff baseball if you're watching it. It is too difficult for me to watch the Astros versus the Rangers in the ALCS. I have been much more football-centric on the weekends, but... Whatever it is you do on that weekend, drinking that beer, eating that barbecue, having a good time, go ahead and do it. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate the listen. Be back next week with Short Stops. Take care, y'all. Peace.